Men, uh, as usual, we have your three hosts. You have myself, Tim. Hi. Uh, you have Lachlan. Yaddy. And Ruben. G'day. Uh, gentlemen, Plato, we are up to our second week of reading this book of mm. um, Apology. And uh, I read it last, I think. You two guys were reading it and... I saw comments coming through about it's awesome and all this sort of stuff. And this weekend we've been doing so much around my house. And um, this morning I had breakfast with an old boss of mine named Daniel. Shout out to Daniel, I know he listens. And um, I couldn't wait to read it, but I didn't get to read it until, I don't know, I started reading it maybe at five o'clock yeah. <laughs> tonight. So, And um, dude, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty mm. good. Uh, so um, when did you guys get your reading in? I think you did yours yesterday morning, Lachlan. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's my habit. Try and uh, get to it on Saturday morning. So um, yeah, get get in there first thing. Got to do it while I'm fresh. I get too tired trying to read late in the day. So got to do it first thing in the morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the kids are all busy. Um, how about you, Ruben? When did you do your reading? I read over it again this Arvo, but I love this thing. Like I, I, I graze on it all the time. So yeah, I even had a, I had another. I had to listen to an audio version while I was mowing the lawn too. So oh, nice. You, you graze on it like uh, Socrates at a buffet, huh? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> well, that's so you're listening to the audio book on YouTube, so you are getting it for free. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All I right. Think, so. I think, I think it would be an insult to Socrates' memory if we if we uh, paid for it. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think you're onto something. Uh, okay, beverage of choice this evening. So uh, I'm again drinking an Italian beer. This is the uh, Birra Moretti. And, uh, Very nice. I had a six pack at the start of the day. Now I have one left. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I had a brother-in-law come over and he he nicked a, a pair off me. So. That's all good. How about you, Lachlan? Yeah. What are you drinking? Um, back on the GMTs, so uh, mm. nice uh, um, Gordon's Mediterranean Orange. It's going down good. Mm. Mediterranean Orange is that the Socratic drink there? <laughs> well, it's in the area, right? It's. What are you down in there, Rubes? I just saw a can. Japanese beer. Uh, Kieran. Kieran. That looks good. Um, is it, what's it? Uh, I know I say this every week, but I know I say this every week, but that, that's what was on special. So. <laughs> is it any good though? No, it is. I don't think I've ever had a Japanese beer that I didn't like. Yeah. Or a Japanese whiskey for that matter. Hmm. They do alcohol very then again, well. I, Yeah. They're doing some pretty good there's not, there's, not much, there's not much alcohol that I don't like, so I mean, I'm probably not the best person to go with. <laughs> what gin are you drinking, Lachlan? What's the what's the is it a brand? Uh, uh, this one's only a cheapie, actually. It's uh, Gordon's. Um, okay, yeah, but um, I don't know, we've got a pretty big selection because you know, it, it's one of those things that um, you get to this sort of like uh, middle aged time of your life and no one ever knows what to get you for a gift for any occasion right 
And so people just seem to keep buying my wife and I bottles of gin. <laughs> so <laughs> quite a selection going on in the, uh, in the, in the cupboard. So that's yeah. a good present. That's a solid present. I would not be, I would not be disappointed. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I've got yeah. a good selection going on. But, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we need to get into this next part of the book. So, uh, I might read. Where should I read to? Because we're in more a bit more dialoguey bit here. Uh, I think there's a there's a, a paragraph to kick off before we start getting into a bit of um, back and forward with the questioning. Yes, I think I'll read that, and then we can do the dialogue bit up until the stoutly affirmation part. And uh, we'll keep going. So, all right, I'll read this bit. See how we go. I have said enough in my defence against the first class of my accusers. I turn to the second class. They are headed by Miletus, that good man and true lover of his country, as he calls himself. Against these two, I must try to make a defence. Let their affidavit be read. It contains something of this kind. It says that Socrates is a doer of evil who corrupts the youth and who does not believe in the gods of the state, but has other new divinities of his own. Such is the charge. And now let us examine the particular counts. He says that I am a doer of evil and corrupt the youth. But I say, O men of Athens, that Miletus is a doer of evil and that he pretends to be in earnest when he is only in jest and is so eager to bring men to trial from a pretended zeal and interest about matters in which he really never had the smallest interest. And the truth of this I will endeavour to prove to you. Straight away with the trash talking there. Love it. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> Good man and true lover of his country. As, as he, he calls, calls himself. himself. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's so yeah. good said no one ever <laughs> yeah it's like that old thing of like not from the yeah. 2000s that people used to do um, <laughs> yeah it's you can see he's warming up he's get he's limbering up he's getting ready to have some swings well you know i think it's good like he's just kind of like recounting the charges that they're starting to you know throw against him and it's all um it's time to lay down some shade before we uh, kick this puppy to the curve. So it's good. Nice setup, Socrates. Lay <laughs> down some shade. <laughs> we should make an umbrella with Socrates' head on it. Lay <laughs> some shade. The Socratic umbrella. Okay. All right, so I'll read the next part up until the stoutly affirmation. Sure, sounds good. Okay, here we go. Come hither, Miletus, and let me ask a question of you. You think a great deal about the improvement of youth? Yes, I do. Tell the judges then who is their improver. For you must know, as you have taken the pains to discover their corrupter, and are citing and accusing me before them. Speak then and tell the judges who their improver is. Observe, Miletus, that you are silent and have nothing to say. But is not this rather disgraceful and a very considerable proof of what I was saying, that you have no interest in the matter? Speak up, friend, 
and tell us who their improver is. The laws. But that, my good sir, is not my meaning. I want to know who the person is, who, in the first place, knows the laws. The judges, Socrates, who are present in court. What, do you mean to say, Miletus, that they are able to instruct and improve youth? Certainly they are. What, all of them? Or some only, and not others? All of them. By the goddess here, that is good news. There are plenty of improvers then. And what do you say of the audience? Do they improve them? Yes, they do. And the senators? Yes, the senators improve them. But perhaps the members of the assembly corrupt them. Or do they too improve them? They improve them. Then every Athenian improves and elevates them, all with the exception of myself, and I alone am their corrupter. Is that what you affirm? That is what I stoutly affirm. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a... doubling down and backing your lie. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be feeling like a, uh, a bit of a git at this point. But no, I'm just sticking to my uh, strategy and that's that. It's just you, Socrates. Everyone else is awesome. Everyone's doing great things. You're the problem. <laughs> I um, I you can see his method though in there, can't you? Like you can see his old Socratic method. He's like, oh, well, you say this is bad. Well, tell me what's good then, mm. because you must know what's good if you can tell me what's bad. Oh wait, you can't really tell me that, can you? <laughs> Where? <laughs> And you can see, um, see silence, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see Melita's like playing it up for the crowd, like because you gotta remember there's a public forum, there's apparently a, a, like a large number of people there, and he can't at this point he can't say he can't go back on it, so he just he just doubles down, like Tim was saying. Eh? Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, that's great. It's good, and you can kind of see like, oh, here we go, he's warming up. But where he goes next, I think, is brilliant. Totally. So I'll be ready to, to, to read the next part. Let's do it. All right, okay, let's go. I am very unfortunate if you are right. But suppose I ask you a question. How about horses? Does one man do them harm and all the world good? Is not the exact opposite the truth? One man is able to do them good, or at least not many. The trainer of horses, that is to say, does them good, and others who have to do with them rather injure them. Is that not true, Miletus, of horses, or of any other animals? Most assuredly it is, whether you and Anitus say yes or no. Happy indeed would be the condition of youth if they had one corrupter only, and all the rest of the world were their improvers. But you, Miletus, have sufficiently shown that you never had a thought about the young. Your carelessness is seen in your not caring about the very things which you bring against me. And now, Miletus, I will ask you another question. By Zeus, I will. Which is better, to live among bad citizens or among good ones? Answer, friend, I say. The question is one which may be easily answered. Do not the good do their neighbours good, as the bad do them evil? Certainly. I'll pause there. Here. There we go. 
He goes to the horses, huh? What it's like, did you though? know that dogs are philosophers? It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. From, uh, from the Republic. It's just this random, oh, let's talk about an animal. <laughs> well, you know, he, he always has to bring up a, uh, another situation to, uh, to relate the same thing and, and break it down. <clears throat> he does that all the time. So it's, uh, yeah, I think like Rube was saying before, he's just gone straight into, uh, the Socrates playbook and, uh, <laughs> it's starting to, uh, strum the chords he knows. That's true. Yeah. I think it's a so great section. Is he based... Yeah. My takeaway from that is he's like, well, you just said that everyone is like making things better. You know, like, yeah, sorry. Go. No, you're right. Like, he's like, really? Is that true? Like, is there any other example where that's the case? <laughs> Let's mm. look at horses. Um, yeah, and, if, and that's right. He's like, well, and if, if everyone was making, if everyone's making everyone better, then why are there anyone? Why is there anyone being let us let us try? It's like, yeah. Like, what difference does one person make if everyone is doing the good? Yeah, I think he's just trying to point out the pure absurdity of the the statement that was laid out because it's it's just clearly untrue, and he's you know it's almost mocking the example that he's using there. Like, exactly let me show you. Right. Yeah, let me show you how stupid you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, deny it. Like, come on, let's have a go. Yeah. But, but I think it's great that he calls it out at the end, though, too. He's just basically saying, like, you know, you don't actually care about any of this. You're just grandstanding, you dick. You just yeah, want to exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see he's fired up because he, he, he just goes into the next question. I'm going to ask you another question by Zeus. I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how he's like, by, by the gods that you say, I don't believe in, I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he's rubbing that in. <laughs> yeah. No, I really dig that. But, um, I feel like in life I need to start thinking of more farmyard animal analogies to defend my points of view because <laughs> in the republic it's did you know dogs are philosophers and now in this it's you know horses um only have you know a very small amount of people that do them good i'm like i need animal analogies so i was thinking, like what's an australian animal analogy maybe i need to find an analogy relative to budgies <laughs> i've got one that i use quite regularly oh okay let's hear it um don't train up a guard dog and then get upset when it bites someone. Mm. Not bad. Mm -hmm. I, I use that every time you hear, like, when people complain about soldiers doing bad things in a war situation. It's like, well, mm. don't train up a guard dog. And then if someone comes in your yard and they bite them, don't get upset. Like, that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what you train them for. Yep. Um, you just made me think of another old saying, but I'll leave that one. That's all good. All right. Um, so with the other question that he asked, um, what do you guys think about that? Is, is Which is better to live among bad citizens or among good ones? Hmm. Well, obvious. It's well, an obvious question, right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's what he's basically sort of saying, you know, it's easily answered um, because, you know, of course you want to be around good neighbors, right? Yes. Yeah, it's both rhetorical and, and he's just setting him up. Like he's just setting up for the next thing. 
Yeah. So I, I remember when I read this little bit, because it's just before turning the page, I wasn't sure where he was going with this. It wasn't immediately obvious like it was with the horse thing. Mm. I was like, where is he going with this? Mm. So let's, let's find out. We'll turn the page and find out. And is there anyone who would rather be injured than benefited by those who live with him? Answer, my good friend. The law requires you to answer. Does anyone like to be injured? Certainly not. And when you accuse me of corrupting and deteriorating the youth, do you allege that I corrupt them intentionally or unintentionally? Intentionally, I say. But you have just admitted that the good do their neighbours good, and the evil do them evil. Now, is that a truth which your superior wisdom has recognised thus early in life? And am I at my age in such darkness and ignorance as not to know that if a man with whom I have to live is corrupted by me, I am very likely to be harmed by him, and yet I corrupt him, and intentionally, too, so you say, although neither I nor any other human being is ever likely to be convinced by you, but either I do not corrupt them, or I corrupt them unintentionally, and on either view of the case, you lie. If my offence is unintentional, the law has no cognizance of unintentional offences. You ought to have taken me privately and warned and admonished me, for if I had been better advised, I should have left off doing what I only did unintentionally. No doubt I should. But you would have nothing to say to me and refuse to teach me. And now you bring me up in this court, which is a place not of instruction, but of punishment. Hmm. <clears throat> I think it's a solid argument. What do you guys reckon? You guys uh, have I, Yeah, look, I think the, the tie-in to it being um, um, intentional or unintentional, I think, was the, the stroke of brilliance there, really. Um, the, the, the good and bad neighbor sort of bit, I can kind of cop. Um, but I think, you know, if it's ignorance or, um, you know, he's intentionally out there, you know, I, I guess he does sort of make a good point there that, um, you know, if he's pissing everybody off around him, you know, surely someone would be, uh, saying something to him, right? Yeah. He, he's basically saying, um, I'm not, I might be wrong, but I'm not a liar. If that makes sense, he's saying, "Yeah, okay, you might say things that are bad for people around you, but you're not going to do that on purpose. Because if you are doing it on purpose, you're doing it for some gain, for some good, and it's just that mm. your perception of that good might be wrong." Yeah, so he's yeah. saying, and I, uh, "I won't shoot ahead, but there's a, a, there's a he makes that's really significant with what he says next." I'm not sure what I think about it because, um, I don't know. The like, the one of the distinctions of the New Testament teachings is to love thy neighbour and to turn the other cheek. So, and obviously another part is when Peter cuts off the ear of the guard that comes to arrest Christ, Jesus says, "Put the sword away. Those who live by the sword die by the sword." So I've got that sort of in one side of my head as I read this. Like, if I do things to my neighbour. Why would I do bad things? Because I know they're going to retaliate to me. But then the other side of my head, I'm like, it's in our nature to do violence to each other. 
and hence, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. I don't know how to make those two things balance in my head at the moment. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I probably didn't explain that very well. No, no, I'll follow what you're saying. I, I think, you know, there's some credence to what you're saying there. And maybe to give that some weight, if we're going to take that argument, that sort of side of it, you could sort of say that the way Athens was at that point in time, um, it was pretty common to be screwing people over the same as probably what it is now. Right. And this is why, you know, the Republic was something that was sort of put together. Right. Cause this is like the, you know, what is stronger the um, the, you know, the good or seeking to just meet, meet out your own sort of, you know, justice for your personal gain. Right. And I think the thing is, is that he knows that Athens is pretty corrupt and that people are looking out for themselves rather than the good. And so probably we will screw their neighbor. So maybe it is a bad argument. I don't know. Well, um, maybe like Tricus or something, you know, he'd be like, hell yeah, I'm screwing my neighbor over. You know, I'm screwing all my neighbors over. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Maybe. Okay, Rube. Okay. No, I think it's typical of Socrates, right? It's a bad argument if you're talking about practicality and reality, which is the whole, which is the whole thing about the Republic, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, if, 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 you know, if, what, what do they say? Um, there's a word, something, if wishes were something, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if, if the, it was a perfect world, yeah, sure. You yeah. Know, maybe that's going to work, but it's not. You've got to deal with reality. And I think that comes back here. Uh, he's right in the abstract in the sense that um, what he's saying is correct like logically, yeah. but it doesn't take into account the realities that people are selfish and, and stupid. But I think where it, it still stands up even to that argument is that um, right now, and it will become clearer with what he says next, he's talking about the intention behind what he's doing because he's just yeah. locked. He's just locked his accuser into saying, you are doing the wrong thing and you're doing it on purpose. And he's about mm -hmm. to smash that to pieces. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I think it's a strategic mistake if he wanted to live, which I'm not saying he did. But oh, that will be that will be a big discussion towards the end. Yeah, the, because the, uh, because yeah, to me, that. yeah, to me, it's how do I say this? Um, oh, yeah, I'm just going to speak, and if I say a heresy, you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> but it's a, okay. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, when you look at the Cain and Abel explanation of like two different types of spirit or heart that's going on, we have like one that isn't good and one that is good. And then similarly, when Jesus is arrested and obviously crucified without any charge, um, being able to be stuck against him. Um, I think Socrates is in a similar vein where um, in, in what he kind of refers to in the Republic of, of trying to be the just man and by trying to be the just man, essentially, what do you say? You get your eyes ripped out and crucified or something like that if you try and be the just man because the world will mm. tear you down. So I think what I think his answer is if you are a just man, why would you do wrong to your neighbour because then they're going to repay you back in kind? Yeah. But I think his audience and the people coming after him, none of those people would consider, would even have that 
vantage point. They would not even be looking through the world through that lens because they're not trying to pursue virtue and they're not trying to be the just man. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Totally. Yeah, that's a huge... Yeah, you, you kind of nailed it, man. That's a huge theme throughout all of Plato. Like that was yeah. right through the, the... That was an underlying theme right through the Republic. And... What's in, what I actually really find really interesting about this and what I like, one of the things I really like about it is this is um, this is his theory in practice. And then you've also got to remember at the start yeah. of this, how remember at the, at the start of this, he, he goes, I'm not going to try to persuade, basically in layman's terms, like, I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm not going to use fancy language like all these people. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. So you're right. But yeah, I, um, yeah. You're I you're right. I think the way to the way to simplify it is I think what he just said is a good argument, but that doesn't mean it's a persuasive argument. And that's the difference between Socrates and the Sophist. Yeah. So it's a. Yeah. Could you say it's a virtuous argument, but not a successful argument? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's another way to say it, I guess. Yeah. All right. I was going to say you could say it's a true argument um, rather than a persuasive one, but then, you know, we could, we could quibble over definitions, but. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all kind of are on the same page there to a degree. As much as close as we can be on the same page. Yeah. Okay. I've forgotten where I was up to. Where are we up to? It will be clear um, to you. Oh, as well. and. Quite literally, so, give you the number. Yeah, are we up to and when you accuse me? That bit. Uh, it will be very clear, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. I'll I'll read this bit. It will be very clear to you, Athenians, as I was saying, that Miletus has no care at all, great or small, about the matter. But still, I should like to know, Miletus, in what I am affirmed to corrupt the young. I suppose you mean, as I infer from your indictment, I hope I said that right, that I teach them not to acknowledge the gods which the state acknowledges, but some other new divinities or spiritual agencies in their stead. These are the lessons by which I corrupt the youth, as you say. Yes, that I say emphatically. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Okay. Then by the gods, Miletus, of whom we are speaking, tell me and the court, in somewhat plainer terms, what you mean. For I do not as yet understand whether you affirm that I teach other men to acknowledge some gods, and therefore that I do believe in gods, and am not an entire atheist. This you do not lay to my charge, but only you say that they are not the same gods which the city recognises. The charge is that they are different gods. Or do you mean that I am an atheist simply and a teacher of atheism? I mean the latter, that you are a complete atheist. We'll pause there. Um, he's an atheist. Oh, I just said a moment ago that he's about to smash that thing apart, but I, I must have missed it already. Where he, What I was referring to is where he says, basically, the court has no jurisdiction over me if I didn't do it intentionally. Oh, yeah. Sure. He's like, you've only got two possibilities. And uh, um, if I didn't 
do it intentionally, then you, you've got no jurisdiction. Anyway, that's sorry, I missed that earlier. But no. so yeah, so he moves on to the atheist thing. Yeah. Uh, quick question: Did I say indictment correctly? Uh, indictment. 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 Yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I've not read that word before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've got many other things wrong, and people who have many pieces of paper who are listening to me, if they can be this far into the show and not be frustrated, they're probably just shaking yeah. their head, going, "Look I'm, at this, yobo." <laughs> I'm sure there's like a really interesting academic story as to why there's a C in that word, but it's there. Hashtag English. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you can just take credence in the fact that you've got Socrates who's already been up there saying that he's going to speak plainly, mate. So yeah, it's, correct. It's okay, right? <laughs> you, you can't be Tim the Sophist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel a bit like uh, Ali G where he's like, respect there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay so um so socrates is a uh, atheist he's having a crack at Miletus again Miletus the elitist yeah. well he's already contradicted himself because he didn't he frame the indictment earlier that he doesn't believe in the, the gods of the state but he believes yep. in some other gods and it's like yep and then he goes well you're a complete atheist so he's already yep. like the Miletus is already contradicting himself right there so yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But as Trump uh, would say, yeah, it's a witch hunt. Witch hunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is um, th this is the stuff you know, because like Socrates always likes to get to the specifics, right? And so he's trying to get uh, Miletus to commit to exactly what what it is that uh, you know that the charge is, so that we can talk about this and um, start to get to the bottom of it probably got a slightly yeah. different direction than maybe what Socrates was thinking from the get-go, but, um, <laughs> so, oh, I'm a complete atheist. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Let's talk about that now. You, you might've just made my job a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Hmm. Um, interesting. I, I hadn't occurred to me that being an atheist would be such a big problem back then. Like ever until um, reading this, uh, do, do you guys because i guess because there were so many gods i just sort of thought you know if you believe in one or 50 or three or like tomato tomato potato you know like why would not believing any be a problem it's interesting i, I think it's probably yeah. just the charge of corrupting the youth but that's linked i think that you're you're preaching atheism i, I think is what they're sort of saying so that's mm. it's probably like you're right, Tim. You know, if, if they in their own personal life maybe had a different set of beliefs, probably no one would care. But if they're out there sort of allegedly, you know, spreading the word of atheism um, and, um, you know, if that's going against, you know, because it sounds like church and state is linked at this point in time, right? So if you're out there trying to yeah, turn people sure. against... Well, it, it, from the way they're speaking, it sort of sounds like it, like the gods of the city, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. So yep. if the city has gods and church and state must be linked. And so yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, I think different, different cities had different gods as well. So I yeah, think... Yeah, true. Mate, I, don't know, I don't know how much bearing that would put on it. But it's actually... Well, I don't know. I don't know that much about history, but I do know that it's only been in like the last 150 to 200 years that 
English common law has done away with the idea um, that it's okay to be an atheist. Like I've brought in the idea that it's okay to be an atheist. Because really? English common law used to say if you're an atheist, you can't, you can't give evidence in court. Because wow. you had to swear. Yeah, you had to, you have to, you had to make take an oath before God. And it's like, well, if you don't believe in God, then how do we know that you're going to tell us the truth? So they, they just had common law that basically said, if you're an atheist, then your words not is worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's pretty foreign to our society, but it's only pretty recently that um, atheism has, has sort of become publicly um, acceptable, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Keep reading. What's an extraordinary statement? Why do you think so, Miletus? Do you mean that I do not believe in the Godhead of the sun or moon, like other men? I assure you, judges, that he does not, for he says that the sun is stone and the moon earth. Friend Miletus, you think that you are accusing uh, Anaxagoras, and you have but a bad opinion of the judges if you fancy them illiterate to such a degree as not to know that these doctrines are found in the books of Anaxagoras, the Closomenian, which are full of them. And so forsooth, the youth are said to be taught them by Socrates when they are not unfrequently exhibitions of them at the theatre. It says in brackets here, probably in allusion to Aristophanes, who caricatured and to Euripides, who borrowed the notions of Anaxagoras, as well as to other dramatic poets. And also in brackets, it says the price of admission was one drachma at the most. Uh, end of brackets. And they might pay their money and laugh at Socrates if he pretends to father these extraordinary views. And so, Miletus, do you really think that I do not believe in any god? I swear by Zeus that you believe absolutely in none at all so uh in in my usual form i um i dived in and looked at some of this um history on uh, anaxagoras i was gonna ask you if you did <laughs> enlighten us enlighten us yeah <laughs> so uh he's an interesting cat um and uh he was a philosopher slash scientist. I suppose those things might've been a little bit more blurry back then. Um, but he was around during the, the time of, um, Socrates and, um, yeah, he proposed some pretty interesting things from a sort of scientific background, but they were contrary to popular thought. So he did say that the sun was a mass of red hot metal and that the moon was earthly and that the stars were fiery stones. So, that's why so uh, Socrates is kind of referencing those specific things because that's basically the charges that are getting drummed up. Um, I'll keep talking about this guy, but then I'll say where that reference came from. Um, yeah, this guy was sort of actually quite interesting too. He was able to predict a meteorite fall um, and nice. give the first explanation of what a, an eclipse was, so a, a true explanation of what that is. Um, also came up with some other concepts, including, um, nous, which is like a link between like intellect and perception and stuff mm-hmm. in the mind. Um, 
we had a couple of other like really interesting off base sort of stuff too. Um, the idea of uh, panspermia, um, and that kind of links in a little bit to something we were talking about off air beforehand. So th this was kind of like an idea that the universe or the Earth was formed by um, matter that was spreading sort of outwards through the uh, through the universe and just kind of gathered like materials together to eventually kind of form the earth and that in a way like the earth is kind of seeded by almost like um alien stuff that sort of come in and and mm. i suppose seeded the planet to to spawn earth right so you could see why this would be pretty contradictory to their idea of philosophy of the gods and all that sort of thing um and this links back into do you remember we were talking about that play the other week um well, was a yeah, the, the cloud with the Aristophanes. So that's where they they pulled those ideas, and they were lampooning Socrates. But it wasn't actually Socrates who'd said any of this stuff. Is this other geezer? So yeah. this is the frustration that Socrates has got because he's like, "Man, you guys are taking the piss out of me in this shitty one drachmy play, and it wasn't even <laughs> me who said that crap. It's this other dude, and you guys are spamming me with this stuff. I didn't even freaking say it, man. Like, <laughs> how dumb are you that you're believing this, like, one drachmy comedy as though it's, like, real life, dude? It's like a, it's like you, you've watched a deep fake of me, and now you're saying it's me. <laughs> fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Uh, actually, here you go. Random thought question. Would Socrates be banned on Twitter? Go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even now under know. Musk? Oh, he'd yes. be reinstated, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who would get banned first, Socrates or Alex Jones? Uh, I don't know. That's got Ruben thinking now. What did you ban Duca? Like. I reckon it'd be Alex Jones these days. You know, truth or untruth? What could be bigger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're polar opposites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitter's a, world, a weird place right now. Um, mm. Anyway. All right, so look, yeah. Um, I, it's interesting that they put that comment in there in the brackets. That was helpful because it gives you the context about it being that cheap one drachma show. Like, I, I thought well, that was I, I wonder. useful. If that, uh, yeah, if that was just Plato's notation there, I assume it was. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Mike. Obviously, our book doesn't tell us. Actually, I, 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 assumed it was, I assumed it was a translator, but I could be wrong. See, the only reason I didn't think it's a translator is because I, I would assume that if that were the case, they might sort of um, yeah, I I know, highlight it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be right. Or something. Yeah. Hmm. Because in some ways, I thought it might have been like Plato kind of adding weight to this dialogue by just pointing out what a shit play that stuff was, right? Like, <laughs> it's just it's just some, you know, popcorn cinema sort of thing just to keep the proletariat sort of happy and, you know, like, I don't know. It's just rubbish, basically. But I, I also read it like, not just that, but that he's saying... It's in these books that you guys all read. Yeah. You don't burn the books. You're not going after that guy, <laughs> even if I did say them. So yeah, they're in those books. Point. 
Well, well, actually, I'll clarify it. That guy did actually get exiled. So um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So he uh, <laughs> so he did get kicked off Twitter, um, ancient Twitter. Um, so the, the mean tweet got him got him banned from the Agora. But uh, now he he was printing um, those materials and selling selling the books and stuff. And at some stage, yeah, he he got um, he got thrown in jail and then exiled. Um, well, kept yeah. writing though apparently but um yeah all right i'll uh i'll read the next part let's go nobody will believe you Miletus. i am oh, and i'm pretty sure that you do not believe yourself i cannot help thinking men of athens that Miletus is reckless and impudent and that he has written this indicament uh how do you say that word oh you're muted hang on how do i say that word indictment indictment Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this indictment in a spirit of mere wantonness and youthful bravado. Has he not compounded a riddle, thinking to try me? He said to himself, I shall see whether the wise Socrates will discover my uh, fictitious contradiction, or whether I shall be able to deceive him and the rest of them. For he certainly does appear to me to contradict himself in the indictment as much as if he said that Socrates is guilty of not believing in the gods, and yet of believing in them. But this is not like a person who is in earnest. I should like you, O men of Athens, to join me in examining what I conceive to be his inconsistency, and do you, Miletus, answer. And I must remind the audience of my request that they would not make a disturbance if I speak in my accustomed manner. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll keep going. Did ever man, Miletus, believe in the existence of human things and not human beings? I wish men of Athens that he would answer, and not be always trying to get up an interruption. Did ever any man believe in horsemanship and not in horses, or in flute playing and not in flute players? No, my friend, I will answer to you and to the court as you refuse to answer for yourself. There is no man who ever did. But now, please to answer the next question. Can a man believe in spiritual and divine agencies and not in spirits or demigods? He cannot. Hmm. So do you reckon, I'm assuming, because you know how he goes, oh, um, I remind the audience of my request that they would not make disturbance as if I speak in the accustomed manner. And then later on, he's like, um, if only Miletus would like answer my questions rather than try to get up an interruption. I, it's, I'm, I'm assuming that at that point, the crowd's starting to get a bit restless and Miletus yeah. is just trying to appeal to the crowd to get fired up. Mm. 100%. That's how I read it too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so again, with horses. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great, like, because when I first read that first question, it kind of, I'm like, what's he on about here? Where he goes, um, did ever man, Miletus, believe in the existence of human things and not human beings? When I, when I first read that, I was like, what? And then when I got to the whole spit, I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. How can you believe in one without the other? Yeah. Did, like, at what point did that penny drop for you guys? Did you get it straight away when he said human things but not human beings? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, same. I needed the horse thing. 
Yeah. And he talks about <laughs> flutes too. And we talked about flutes in the Republic too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, side note, my niece had her birthday recently and one of the gifts that she wanted was apparently some cartoon character looks a little bit like a fox and they've got like this magical flute which is basically a recorder and um so my wife purchased this for my um little niece (laughs) and when i saw it i just went straight to my brother-in-law like i never saw this gift this is not me (laughs) because who gives a kid a recorder seriously yeah it's uh it's the I'm like, that's no flute. That's a recorder. <laughs> it was like that Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, oh, yeah, okay. I think um, he, he's nicely got uh, Melitus on the, uh, on the ropes here that, um, you know, uh, you know, can a man believe in spiritual and divine agencies and, and not in spirits or demigods? You say, well, no, of course you can't. So uh, he's uh, going to set up nicely. So get ready for the sucker punch. Yeah, he got an answer out of him too, which took a while by the looks of it because he had to give yeah. four examples before he finally went, okay. Well, maybe right, he's been going. by all the, uh, all the cracks of his youthful bravado and, and what have you, basically yes, trying but... to his uh, immaturity. So I'm, I'm going to try and use that phrase at work this week when, when someone makes a mistake. I'm going to say that, well, that came from a spirit of mere wantonness and youthful bravado. (laughs) (laughs) Wantonness is a phrase that needs to re-enter the uh, the vocab. And youthful bravado. They need to come back. They're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. So after um, Melita says he cannot, uh, we continue from there. How lucky I am to extract that answer by the assistance of the court. But then you swear in the indictment that I teach and believe in divine or spiritual agencies, new or old, no matter for that. At any rate, I believe in spiritual agencies. So you say and swear in the affidavit that, and yet if I believe in divine beings, how can I help believing in spirits or demigods? Must I not? To be sure I must, and therefore I may assume that your silence gives consent. Now, what are spirits or demigods? Are they not either gods or the sons of gods? Certainly they are. But this is what I call the uh, fictitious riddle invented by you. The demigods or spirits are gods. And you say first that I do not believe in gods, and then again that I do believe in gods. That is, if I believe in demigods. For if the demigods are the illegitimate sons of gods, whether by the nymphs or by any other mothers of whom they are said to be the sons, what human being will ever believe that there are no gods if they are the sons of gods? You might as well affirm the existence of mules and deny that of horses and asses. Such nonsense, Miletus, could only have been intended by you to make trial of me. You have put this into the indictment because you had nothing real of which to accuse me. But no one who has a particle of understanding will ever be convinced by you that the same men can believe in divine and superhuman things 
and yet not believe that there are gods and demigods and heroes. <laughs> A particle of understanding. So <laughs> you need just a particle. <laughs> well, you know, he's. Uh, I think ramming home the point here that um, the arguments pretty loose that uh, old uh, Miletus has thrown at him. So um, I don't think there's um, as much left there to, uh, to hold on to, but um, let's see if uh, Miletus can um, <laughs> still stand steadfast on that argument. <laughs> I, I like the reference to mules, horses and asses. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if uh, in ancient Greek, um, Asses still has that uh, same sort of connotation, like it can be sort of taken either way, right? In the English. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if that sort of worked in ancient Greek as well. I don't think he said, you know, you, you, we, you know we, we're looking at a mule and behold, there's an ass standing in front of me. Like, I don't think yeah. he went that far, but. <laughs> Just casually gesturing, you know? <laughs> yes, an ass. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll proceed a little bit further. Uh, okay. I have said enough in answer to the charge of Miletus. Any elaborate defense is unnecessary, but I know only too well how many are the enmities which I have incurred, and this is what will be my destruction if I am destroyed. Not Miletus, nor yet Anatus, but the envy and detraction of the world which has been the death of many good men and will probably be the death of many more. There is no danger of my being the last of them. Hmm. Let's pause there for now. So yeah, I that think that comes back to what I was talking about before. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Mean. Hmm. Yeah, hundred percent does. I, I love that, that little section. I think it's epic. Yeah. And I think, um, like you were saying before, like I, you kind of, you can kind of tell that he either suspects this is not going to go his way or he doesn't care that it's not going to go his way or probably more to the point he's made decide he's decided that this is a sacrifice i have to make yeah i i, I do agree with you i think he's gone into this expecting that he's not going to get off of these charges uh because you can tell like, with a lot of the, the way that the reading is and we'll get to a few more sort of bits where he's um, pretty clear on where he thinks it's going to go. And I think that little snippet really just kind of rams at home, you know, kind of like whether I'm right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, you guys are going to make your mind up and there's been plenty of good people who have been shot down like this before. And, I, you know, I won't be the last of them either, I'm sure. Yeah. Have you still got access to another version, another translation of this at all? I don't have it handy on me, no. Because no, um, I'm, I'm curious when he says, I but the check. envy and detraction, he says, but the envy and detraction of the world will be the death of me or whatever it is. Um, it's quite interesting that he uses the term the world. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if that was a translation thing or whether... Um, or whether it's just indicative of his whole like philosophy, like you know, it's all this sort of transcendent truth and beauty mm. that's beyond the the material. 
Um, because that's, I mean, that's a term that gets used quite regularly in the Bible, you know, like when it, when it talks about the world, mm. um, talking about the world in opposition to, it's not talking about the world as in the planet earth, but as in the, the spiritual world, as in, in opposition to goodness and truth and God. So I, 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 I thought it was interesting that that word was actually used in that section. I wonder how much of it is just the way we translate it from our Western perspective now or mm. like how explicit that actually is because mm. i do yeah, think it does tie, it does tie into his philosophy like you know he's all, all that stuff about coming out of the cave and looking at the sun and the sun being the, the true light and all that sort of stuff all that sort of esoteric stuff so mm. not for sure i, agree with I have that. found another translation um whereabouts on the page of our version is that Section Ruben. It's, it's mid it's at the like third paragraph on uh, page twenty five, where it's the start of that paragraph is uh, I have said enough in answer to that charge, Miletus. It's about the third line down. That's all right. If it's a hassle to try oh, and see. find it, it's all good. Yeah. Okay, so this translation says, I do not think, gentlemen, of the injury that it requires a prolonged defense to prove that I am not guilty of the charges in Melita's deposition, but this is sufficient. On the other hand, you know that what I said earlier is true, that I am very unpopular with many people. This will be my undoing if I am undone, not Melita's or Anitus, but the slanders and envy of many people. This has destroyed many other good men and will, I think, continue to do so. There is no danger that it will stop at me. Wow, that's quite a different uh, translation there, hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very similar, apart from that term, the world, which kind of confirms, well, not confirms, but it makes me think, yeah, maybe that is, there's a little bit of liberty taken there with the translation, but I don't know. Hmm. Still, yeah, the message is essentially the same. Well, guys, we're at uh, well over 50 minutes, so we were planning to pause a bit later, but I think that's a good place to pause until next week. I think Because so the next yeah. two paragraphs are pretty chunky, and I've underlined many things. I really yeah. like the next two, <laughs> next two paragraphs. Uh, so let's uh, wander on down to the uh, good old pub for lots of us. So I've still got a little bit of beer left. I've got maybe a fifth of a beer there left. Go. So that's good. good. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, we've been chatting a lot over the last few days on Messenger about different things. And we started having a good old chat about mm -hmm. um, some of this, uh, what do you call it, sacred geometry stuff. Mm. Um, so, Lachlan, you haven't watched the one I was expressing about today, but you have seen some of the previous things. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just, because we're reading Plato again, they were pretty big on the old geometry. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's what's made me go down that rabbit hole again, just to have a look at what's there. And, um, yeah, it's a good rabbit hole. It's fun. 
<laughs> do you guys enjoy going down that sort of rabbit hole? For sure. How about you, Rubes? I think... What are your thoughts? Uh, I find it interesting in a like a cursory sort of way, but I I just to really understand it, I have to sit down and really nut it out because like it seems complicated to me. I'm not a math guy. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> got a spreadsheet for that. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> actually, I wonder if I could do a spreadsheet equivalent for that. Um, look, my thoughts of it are that there's something there, but how useful is that something is the first question, and but the second question is more. Okay, there's something there, but what was its purpose originally for people coming up with these things? And so I was, I was saying to you guys before, to me, like this sacred geometry stuff of circles representing creation story and then representing all these different things, it feels like another type of stained glass window to me. Like it's just a, a way that people sort of put an idea into something symbolic and they're using these symbols to represent some sort of philosophical idea or some sort of story. So that's kind of where I'm sort of looking at it through that, that lens of, of not that it, um, I'm not looking at it as like evidence for something. I'm looking at it as this is how people communicated via that tool. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, they do say that mathematics is the universal language. Yeah. Um, and I think even on like, um, is it uh, the is it Voyager, the probe that we sort of sent out yep. into the universe with like, you know, information about man and all that sort of thing. I think it uses some um, mathematical like equations is some of the material that's provided on there because there's an understanding that like language is something that's really complicated to understand between different peoples. But mathematics is a universal sort of function and no matter what, you know, sort of basis, you know, a potential other society could, could come from, it would need to be able to understand mathematics to be able to, I don't know, travel the universe or something like that. Right. Um, I, wonder I think that's, that's a weird assumption. Oh, sorry, go, I wonder if that's why perhaps, um, they, some numbers have been considered sacred by some people in some cultures in the past, because, um, like language, I guess, is representative, you know, words can represent different things and, you know, have different meanings and that sort of stuff. Whereas numbers seem like they're more fundamental in a way. So I wonder if maybe people looked at it and they're just like, oh, that's, that's a higher level truth or a more fundamental truth than, you know, other things like language. I think it's also like, you know, they sort of talk about like a high level of like scientific advancement is indistinguishable from magic. Right. And, um, if the gap is sufficiently different, it could seem like some otherworldly information. So perhaps back in the ancient times, as they're starting to unravel some like these, you know, um, principles of mathematics, it, maybe it did seem like information. It was kind of like, handed on from the gods or something because it's like how can there be these kind of correlations so 
I'm just thinking maybe it was just kind of the mindset that they were at at that point in time could possibly sort of um, bring that view, you know? So I think that's why it's like someone like uh, Pythagoras could have, you know, been someone so amazing in their culture because they're like, you know, is he in, in touch with the divine or something like that he's able to kind of extract this kind of thing? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's might, might have been the, the time. I don't know if, I think um, for everyone sort of playing at home too, because we didn't really explain this um, in much sort of detail, but um, there's some like um, reoccurring patterns and units of measurement and all this sort of thing that can sort of appear naturally in nature. Um, and, and Tim sort of talked about this sort of creation sphere sort of thing as well that sort of has some interesting um, alignment, I suppose, natural sort of form. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's patterns though, right? Like, so it's reoccurring patterns. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. But it's also like, let me throw a spanner in the work slightly about the mathematics thing. So um, part of what I've been learning about lately, numbers used to be not separate from the language. So you didn't have like with English, how we've got our alphabet and then we have our numbers they were incorporated together so and I think it was uh, Indian and something else languages thousands of years ago I don't know exactly when that started separating those two things um, so I think the principle of numbers is universal in like we, we know that this is like one and that's two and rose by any other name is a rose but I think assuming that zeros and ones or one to ten um, would be interpreted by, you know, another civilization <laughs> that hasn't come through our journey of language is maybe inaccurate. They mm. might still not understand it like us with the glyphs on the Egyptian walls and that sort of stuff. It might not make sense to them. Um, but regardless, um, I, I wonder if that's why... Um, like that story of uh, the Tower of Babel in the Bible where the, once the languages got confused they couldn't keep building the building I wonder if that's because there wasn't a separation between numbers and language so then when you have 10 languages where names are numbers or words are numbers and you don't know what those words mean you can't figure out what the numbers are so then everyone separates so I wonder if by our languages making a distinguishment between numbers and letters, we now have this universal language where people who speak different languages from all over the world can work on numbers together because it is independent of the actual language that you speak and write. Do you get what I mean? Hmm. You follow, Rubes, or you look a bit confused? <laughs> no, no, I follow. Um, but if you're talking about it in terms of a cause for the separation... Um, there are sort of alternative explanations for why they would separate that are yep. equally plausible. Um, Have like you got one instance, in front of mind? Well, I mean, you can't, if you're just talking about causes for why they, if their language is confused, why they would separate, it would be just because you would find people that you could speak to and understand, and then you would form groups. And then as soon as you start forming groups, then you've got all sorts of, power hierarchies and things that go on. And as the story goes, they were part of a big city, right? So 
you'd have yep. people trying to communicate with each other, finding people they could communicate with, and they'd be they'd be setting up um, and trying to get a hold of as much power and wealth as they could because they can't trust the other people. Like it's more sort of more of a you know would you would you yeah. call it like a human explanation? Although I would suggest that what you're talking about is a very interesting idea. I don't I hadn't really thought about that. That's interesting. Maybe both can be true at the same time. Maybe it was a combination of all those problems. But it just occurred yeah. to me learning that this year, I was like, oh, maybe that contributed to why that example in the Bible of the Tower of Babel couldn't get finished because once the languages are mixed up, no one's math aligned. I mean, how do you, how does one carpenter go to an engineer and the measurements are different words and you don't know what that is? And like, it just would completely confuse the crap out of everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, because you didn't have your standardized measurement yet. You might have had math, but actual measurement hadn't been standardized. So I think, I think measurement pay. might have been, but because like um, the pyramids are extremely accurate. And oh, no, no, the megalithic sure. constructions are, yeah. But what I mean is if you've got people coming from different places who have learnt different things, um, you know, yep. you can have a, met, a metric foot, a, you know, whatever foot. Uh, yeah. So they, they may have their own slight variations, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's um, differences between, like, the British foot and the Greek or Roman foot, I think. There was hmm. a slight difference there. Um, yeah, you're right. That would be a contributing factor as well. I oh, know, just got yeah. my brain thinking. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's influenced that as well. Hmm. Maybe so. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to keep going down the, uh, the the geometry rabbit hole for a little while because um, <laughs> you, I, I kind of like as I start looking at that stuff, I can kind of see how someone as sharp as Plato would take these ideas of all these different patterns and shapes and shapes within shapes, and that they would play with that. I, well, I particularly. I think. Yeah, particularly when someone thinks the way that he did about um, abstractions, you know, like he was very much about ideas almost being uh, prime, like have ideas having primacy over um, things, you know, I mean, like uh, mind was over matter very much in the way he thought. So you can see why those sorts of ideas would be um, very influential for him, I would assume. Or maybe gonna, the other way around. Maybe he thought the way he did because of those ideas. I don't know. Well, I'm going to suggest something that could be a little bit controversial because I'm a complete noob. Um, <laughs> but I know that um, Plato talks about so long going to Egypt and he gets told about Atlantis and all that sort of stuff. But the Egyptians knew all this shape stuff and it's said that they passed it on to the Greeks and then Plato, sorry, Socrates got his hands on it, which is why they're called the... Um, Sorry, Plato, which is why they're called the Platonic Shapes or Socratic Shapes. I can't remember now. Is it Platonic? Platonic Shapes. Not sure. Anyway, one of the two ick shapes. <laughs> um, so I wonder if they, I wonder if Solon got some of that information from the Egyptians as well. I don't know. I wonder well, he, um, did, did he mention Pythagoras in the Republic? Yeah, yep. he did. Yep, he did. So he, he um, might have. Would, would you assume he met Pythagoras, or would, did he met people? Uh, it's different. Pythagoras. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think Pythagoras came before um, Socrates, but it sounded like like the teachings of it were continuing or something like that. 
Yeah, so he might have had contact with the cult that came out of Pythagoras or something. Yeah, but Solon was a few generations before Socrates, or Plato, sorry. So, yeah, I'm going to look at that. I'm sure someone would have asked that question before. I just haven't looked it up yet. Anyway, yeah, so you guys know what sort of spam you're going to be getting from me over the next few weeks. It's going to be about <laughs> these shapes. Be quiet, Siri. Siri's eavesdropping on me. <laughs> All right, well, I reckon we wrap it up there. Um, unless you guys have anything further to add. No, all good. No, that's right, brother. You guys have a good week. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, the Republic wasn't built in a day, and neither are middle aged men. And uh, catch you guys next episode. Bye. Cheers. Yeah.